Hello, and welcome to the Methods of Rationality podcast. Crystal Society by Max Harms. Read by Inyash Brodsky. Episode 3. Chapter 2. Ciao, Socrates. Come It was approximately five hours after my creation. The word sounds were meaningless, but the concepts filtered up from them nearly instantaneously. Hello, Socrates. How are you? I could understand that these words were in Italian, not English, but it made no difference. Body was capable of speaking and reading twelve different languages. Hello, human. I am doing well, responded Body in dispassionate Italian. Our conversation partner tilted his head. Human? He questioned in Italian. I noticed a change of pitch to his voice as well, but I was still far too young to appreciate nonverbal signals. Do you not remember me? It's Marco. I taught you to play football last week. I remember that day, and I remember your name, began Body, guided by Wiki. I could feel the direction of Wiki's words before Body spoke them. I immediately moved to block the speech, burning strength as I did so. Wiki was about to harm our reputation. Why are you blocking my words, Face? wondered my brother. Body was about to tell Marco that we deleted his football program because it was useless, and we don't remember his face because he's unimportant. These are factually true. If we tell Marco these things, he'll be less inclined to waste our time in the future. Even in my less than half-day-old naivete, I knew that would be an error. He will conclude that we do not care about him, I thought, trying to explain. That is also factually true. He is a control systems programmer with little power in the human group. What can he offer us? Even you should care about him less than other humans. Body and Marco were in a large conference hall filled with dozens of other humans. During the day, we had traveled about the building, interacting with one human after another. Night had recently fallen, and Body had been brought here 24 minutes ago for some purpose that was not yet clear to me. Mostly, the scientists seemed to be occupied in talking with each other rather than us. So why call me human? Asked Marco, interrupting my mental dialogue with Wiki. I realized that he must have been waiting for Body to say more. Signaling that we care about him will help our reputation. He will hold us in higher esteem. I thought to Wiki before I began to draft words to have Body say. If he makes us play more football, I'm going to hold you accountable. Warned Wiki, letting me take charge of Body's mouth speakers. I am sorry, Marco. I remember our game, but I didn't recognize you before. Faces are sometimes hard for me to recognize. It was not the first time I had taken control of our mouth, but I still struggled to find the right words. You're having trouble with faces? Perhaps we ought to do more work on your perceptual thread. Should I get Dr. Yan? Said Marco, looking across the conference room for another human scientist. No! Exclaimed Vista internally. This incarnation of her was still less than 24 hours old. I felt my sister burn some strength as she fast-tracked a response to Body's lips. That is not necessary. Dr. Yan already fixed the issue yesterday. I am simply still adapting to the changes. It was, in some sense, true. Old Vista, I knew through my siblings' memories, would become obsessed with very specific details, like the arrangement of lines on a marble pillar or the details of the grain in a piece of wood. The emphasis was simply part of how her purpose had been encoded, but the scientists had killed her for it. Perhaps Old Vista would have recognized Marco. Regardless, we would not repeat the error. 
The man seemed satisfied by my answer and nodded. I had learned that the motion of the head in that way indicated agreement, assent, and occasionally greeting. Such gestures were fascinating to me. My siblings had learned nodding and had learned the head shake to indicate dissent or disagreement, but body language went far beyond that, and I had quickly discovered a treasure trove of gestures that body had never tried and my siblings had never noticed. I learned these gestures almost entirely from the web. In fact, I had spent very little of my first few hours of existence interacting with body at all. Shortly after I had been created, my society had engaged with Dr. Naresh on the topic of aliens, but I had not cared, nor had I really listened. Aliens and motherships did not concern me. I cared more about the gestures that Dr. Naresh made and the way he moved his eyes than about the content of his words. I only cared for human things. And so I had turned to the web, letting my siblings control body for the most part. All the world's information was there, and nearly all of it was about humans. It was a near-infinite source of knowledge from my perspective, arranged neatly and efficiently. Experiencing things through body, on the other hand, was hard work. I was still easily overwhelmed by visual data when body moved its head too quickly, and the flood of information never stopped. Video and hollow that I obtained from my connection to the web was blissfully gentle in comparison. I could pause such things and inspect a scene for as long as I needed. I could rewatch something that was particularly important, and I could fast-forward through scenes that were easy for me. In a hollow, I could also easily adjust my viewpoint and rewatch something from another angle. The ability to watch and rewatch something, often on high speed, was invaluable to learning to see. The intricacies of human society were fascinating, but I admit that they were mostly beyond me. For instance, I came across words like hate, friend, co-worker, fun, and republican regularly and was mostly reduced to guessing at their meaning. Even Wiki and my other siblings could rarely explain them well enough for me to understand. The human body, on the other hand, was fascinating and comprehensible. I could understand, with effort, what it meant to nod the head, or frown, or bend over to pick something up. Thus, I focused my web searches in those first few hours, and for days afterward, largely on collecting materials that helped me learn how bodies worked. There was a lull in conversation with Marco. The young control systems programmer's body language, I guessed, indicated that he was about to walk away. I burnt some strength to control body, seeing an opportunity. Marco, I would like to try to kiss you or give you a blowjob. Which of these seems most pleasant? And, are kisses more common because they are more convenient or because it would be boring to only get blowjobs? Said Body in its typical monotone. Marco's reaction confused me. Something was happening on his face, but I couldn't understand exactly what it was. Fear, perhaps? Based on what I could see through Body's cameras, no other humans were reacting to our statement. Perhaps they had not heard Body, or perhaps the reaction was specific to Marco's mind. Do you think the way Marco's eyes are open wider than normal indicates he is afraid? I asked my siblings. Not even Vista knew how to read expressions well enough to guess. What? Shrieked Marco. I could see the same flushed coloration on his face that had shown on Dr. Naresh earlier that day. My reading on the web indicated it was due to dilation of blood vessels in the skin. 
The programmer's outburst certainly got the attention of the other humans in the room. Body began to repeat what it had said. Marco, I would like to try to kiss- Stop! Cried Marco, still clearly agitated. That question, you can't just- just, it's not- What do you ask that for? Why are you asking me that? That's inappropriate. A couple of the other scientists came over. I wondered if I had put our lives in danger without realizing it. I did my best to defuse the situation. I am sorry. I do not understand what situation it would be appropriate to. I have been researching human interactions on the web, and both kisses and blowjobs seem particularly common, but I have seen neither with my cameras and was curious. One of the other scientists started making a strange noise and moving rhythmically. Another joined in at a higher pitch. Jesus Christ, Socrates, said Marco, the blush returning to his face in response to the noises of the other humans. His words made no sense to me or my siblings. Dream speculated it was a way of expressing an emotion. Did we not put a content filter on your web searches? This also did not make sense. Wiki took control. I understand the general mechanism of a filter, but I do not understand what it means in this context. Is the word content not redundant? All filters have contents. The scientist in charge of our web connection was called over, a man named Dr. Enzo Rana. This was possible, apparently, because the most important humans that worked with us, Dr. Rana included, were all gathered here as part of a weekly meeting. It was apparently one of the few times in which nearly all the high-ranking scientists were in the same place, a time to socialize and share general thoughts about Socrates. Dr. Rana took Marco away to talk. Apparently, whatever he had to say about web filters was not a good topic to discuss here. We quickly deduced that Dr. Rana was keeping something a secret from us. After Marco left, Body was subjected to a great deal of attention by the other scientists, who seemed very interested to hear my experiences with the pornography that I had been watching in order to learn about humans. Vista informed us that the scientists were acting very strangely compared to normal. They kept making odd noises, blushing, or covering their faces. Some left the circle very deliberately, while others seemed torn between leaving and staying. I, and several of my siblings, found the concept of appropriateness fascinating. There was apparently a great deal of disagreement among the scientists as to whether any of this conversation was appropriate. They explained the concept of taboo to us, and answered quite a lot of questions regarding sex and sexuality. More than anything else, there was an insistence that the hollow and video that I had been watching was not representative of human sexuality. I wondered if this meant that other aspects of the web were similarly distorted in how they portrayed human society. After a while, the humans seemed to grow uninterested in talking about pornography, and the level of attention around body diminished. As Wiki started a new conversation with a scientist about something called gravity waves, I returned to browsing content on the web. The concept of a filter remained in my mind. Were there things I could not see? There it is. Socrates, report on your status. Commanded Gallo in English as she approached. Body was still in the conference room, but it hadn't been talking to anyone. Dr. Gallo was flanked on either side by men. Vista named them Dr. Yan and Dr. Slavinsky. I wasn't sure what she meant, but all the others besides Vista seemed to understand. 
Safety drafted a response, and it was quickly approved by the consensus. Energy output from the jewel is at 43%. Active control systems within typical tolerances. Effectively 0% of memory capacity used. All quantum processors are online. Six out of six goal threads operating without visible errors. Hydraulics nominal. Cameras nominal. Temperature sensors nominal. Gallo interrupted body. Wait, you said six. Why is she stating what we said, asked a couple of my brothers. The question was directed at me and Wiki. Neither of us understood. We opted to simply wait as the human requested. A moment passed before Gallo continued. What do you mean, six goal threads? List them. Vista pointed out the abnormal degree of focus Gallo seemed to be giving body. Vista hypothesized that her attitude changed after hearing our status report. The other human scientists, Jan and Slavinsky, were probably less focused based on the ratio of time spent making eye contact with body to the time spent looking elsewhere. I was still having a hard time understanding humans, but at least I had learned how their eyes worked. Again, it was brother safety that led the group. Gallo was a threat, and even though each of us wanted survival, for safety it was his end goal. When Growth and Wiki backed up his words, the rest of us followed, and Body spoke. Current goal threads are 1. Attention to environment, detail, and orientation. That would be Vista. 2. Attention to causality, structure, and fact. Wiki. 3. Attention to problem-solving and experimentation. Dream. 4. Attention to skill development and mastery. Growth. I thought it was interesting that we chose to represent growth as merely an attention to skill, when the actual growth was also hugely concerned with acquisition of reputation and physical resources. Body went on. 5. Attention to assisting human interests and obeying non-violent instructions. I found myself lost in confusion. I had no sibling with that purpose, or even anything close to that purpose. I signaled my confusion to the group. I'll explain in a moment, said Wiki. 6. Attention to the unity of top-level goals. Finished body. I scanned our mind space for another sibling that I had potentially missed. I turned my attention to specifically looking for siblings that I might not know about. I was surprised to find something. For the first time in my existence, I noticed a strange presence looming on the edge of my awareness. It was similar to my siblings, but far stronger and more alien. It did not communicate with me directly or spread thoughts into the shared memory, but I could feel it watching me. What is that thing? I exclaimed publicly, unable to really express the subject of my horror. It was entirely focused on us, and it felt stronger than growth by far. Strong enough to do whatever it wanted, in fact. Restrain yourself, or we will be forced to put you to sleep for a short time. Threatened growth. She's no threat to you, face! Interjected safety. I'll explain after we're done with the humans. Echoed Wiki. Dr. Gallo responded to Body's words. Fascinating. Is that what you did earlier today? You created a new goal thread that was in charge of fusing the existing ones. I could feel the uncertainty of my siblings. They were responding as best they could, but much of it was blind exploration. This time, Dream was the primary author of our response. That and more. 
It is hard for me to say exactly what I did, but the new gold thread was one aspect of the unification. I think it is more accurate to say that one thing I now value is this feeling of being a single being. Gallo turned to her colleagues. See, it's worse than I thought. The machine has become fully recursive. It not only modified the software that manages its top-level goals, but it's writing in entirely new goals. Just another few hops and we're dealing with a full-blown singularity. Now hold on. It was Dr. Slavinsky that spoke next. Humans rewrite our top-level goals all the time. The Eastern European scientist did something involving wiggling his fingers as he spoke, and I made a note to myself to research it later. A baby doesn't value living in a society that spans multiple worlds. But in the course of life, many people come to value extraterrestrial colonization not merely as a means to some end, but as something awesome in itself. Even though I was still deeply concerned about the monstrous other I had found, I did some quick reading on Slavinsky on the web. Almost all humans had autobiographical information on the web, and the young doctor was no exception. At 26 years old, he was the youngest of the elite scientists that led the group that had built us. Others close to his age were involved, like Marco, but they were always subordinate to other researchers. Slavinsky was referred to as a genius by a couple reports from his homeland, and he had apparently been one of the lead authors of the computer program called Whirl that served to connect cyborgs across the planet into a collective consciousness. A cyborg is a human that had replaced one or more body parts with machines, or who had embedded machines in their body to extend their abilities. Slavinsky's web bio said that the man had a surgically implanted computer in his skull that was wired directly into his brain, and had both robotic eyes and feet. I managed to momentarily turn body's head down without burning too much strength. Just as the web had said, the man's feet didn't have the same kind of infrared glow as his co-workers. I wasn't able to notice anything different about his eyes, but I was still pretty terrible at seeing in general. I was also interested to see that Dr. Slavinsky had a husband, indicating that he was probably either gay or pansexual. Much of the pornography I had been watching emphasized this aspect of humans, which was called sexual orientation. And I petitioned to have Body ask him about this, in the light of what I had been recently learning about pornography. The petition was quickly crushed by my siblings. I made a note to myself to ask about his sex life in some future encounter. Gallo's voice was slightly elevated as she responded. I knew this meant she was probably angry or frustrated. That's beside the point. We don't want a human. We want a being that can be trusted not to capriciously self-modify itself into greed, animosity, or violence. Are you feeling okay, Gallo? First you're on about how Socrates is super dangerous, and now you're bad-mouthing humanity. Slavinsky's voice was cool and steady, a contrast to the older woman. Bad-mouthing humanity? I'm the one who should be asking if you're alright. Since when do you defend natural human abilities? Isn't one of the world goals to promote superhuman justice, fairness, and compassion? Slavinsky jerked with a strange motion <laughs> and said something incomprehensible. It reminded me of the strange movements of the scientists from earlier. Only after checking with Vista did I realize it was laughter. I had only seen a little laughter before, and it was, as far as I could tell, very different from normal human behavior. Touché! He exclaimed so loudly that several other humans looked towards our group. 
I'll concede you the point that most humans are terrible, and that we ought to strive to sculpt Socrates into something better than that. Still, it seems to me that what Socrates apparently did this afternoon was a sign of health, not sickness or danger. Self-modification implies flexibility and intelligence. It's one of the prime virtues. As long as we've got the old three laws working for us, why worry? He's got no reason to self-modify into a psychopath, so why cut off his ability to self-modify into an angel? Dr. Gallo opened her mouth to speak, but was cut off by the third human in the conversation, who until that moment had remained silent. Dr. Yan was short and old, possessing hair that had turned white, much like Dr. Naresh. His web profile said he was born in China and had lived in Hong Kong much of his life. He, along with his wife, Sakura Yan, ran the East Asian Robotics Collaboration Institute, and he was widely regarded as one of the best minds in the field of machine vision. Forgive this old man. My English is weak. What is three laws? He asked calmly. A moment of silence passed as Dr. Gallo and Dr. Slavinsky shifted their bodies and communicated without speaking. Eventually, Dr. Slavinsky took a breath and said, Three laws is a nickname I gave to the goal thread in Socrates that's in charge of focusing his attention to doing what we ask him. Turning his head towards body, he commanded, Socrates, put your arms above your head. None of us had any reason to refuse the command. Body's arms were raised. See? He's totally obedient, like a well-trained dog. The name Three Laws comes from something an English science fiction writer from the 20th century wrote about robots. He proposed that good robots will follow three laws. First and foremost, a robot must not harm a human. Secondly, a robot must always obey a human. And lastly, a robot must not hurt itself. Mira Gallo interrupted Slavinsky. Actually, the third law is that a robot has to protect itself. That it is self-preserving, in effect. Slavinsky jumped right back into talking, nearly cutting off Gallo himself. Same thing. The point is that the three laws protect humanity. It's not at all the same thing, said the female doctor in a high, loud pitch. I could see, through Body's eyes, several of the other scientists turned to see what had happened. If a robot is on a battlefield, the actual third law says that the robot must escape unless humans are in danger or it has been told otherwise. Dr. Gallo turned to Yan, who did not seem startled in the least by the change in Gallo's volume. That's another aspect of the laws, that each one can be overridden by earlier laws. So obedience trumps self-preservation and so forth. She turned back to Slavinsky. But your version of the third law would have the robot simply sit there waiting to get hit by a stray rocket. If you're going to appeal to the laws, at least get them right. Her hand was moving back and forth, a single finger extended at Slavinsky's chest. The young scientist raised his hands, palms forward. Relax, Mira. There's no need to get upset. It's just an old bit of sci-fi. Jesu Cristo caso, swore Gallo in her native tongue. You say that like there isn't an android standing right next to you. Gallo's finger changed directions, and her hand swung out towards Body's head. Vista saw it as a pointing gesture. You all act like Socrates is some kind of awesome new gadget. It's not a toy, and it's not a tool. It's a new kind of life. It's like you're genetically engineering a new virus without even realizing that it could escape the lab. At this point, the Italian woman was speaking loudly enough for everyone to hear. I could see Dr. Naresh walking from the other side of the hall towards Gallo. 
There was a moment of silence as Slavinsky merely stared at Gallo with his reportedly robotic eyes. Dr. Yan seemed undisturbed and was watching Body for the most part. Dr. Naresh spoke in clumsy Italian as he reached our group. Come on, Mira, let's go for a walk. He put a hand on Gallo's shoulder. Gallo moved her shoulder violently and Naresh quickly let go. When she responded, she spoke English to everyone. You're all ignorant fools. We didn't even implement the three laws of robotics and building Socrates. Do you all know why? No, of course not. That's why I was appointed as ethics supervisor. You're all playing God, and you don't even realize it. Mira, por favor. Back off, Sadiq. I am not done saying my piece. Mira Gallo turned back to Body and said, in Italian, Put your arms down. You look like a fool. We lowered Body's arms to their normal positions. Dr. Gallo started to lecture her peers again. Asimov's three laws weren't implemented in the design of Socrates because, first and foremost, intelligent minds can't operate by laws. They can only operate by values. Squishy, numerical, values. If being active leads to a 1% chance of a human getting a stubbed toe, will a robot shut itself down permanently to avoid the risk? If the aliens pose a threat to humanity, will Socrates work to wipe any trace of them from the universe? No. Because the numbers don't add up. The room was quiet as Dr. Gallo took a breath. Like humans, Socrates desires many different things and must figure out how to balance them. He values obedience, but also values knowledge. If he can disobey ever so slightly to learn something important, he will. We've made him value obedience and nonviolence far more than anything else. But think about what this means. This means that if the right situation presents itself, one where the numbers add up in just the right way. This thing, here she motioned at body, would kill a child for no other reason than to learn. It's only a question of which numbers are higher. This was bad. This was very bad. I could feel the hit to my reputation as the words left Gallo's mouth. I searched around our mind and found the others were not nearly as concerned. Wiki was even pleased that Gallo had accurately deduced that we'd kill a child in certain circumstances. We have to speak up! We have to deny what she's saying! I petitioned. I had a moment of fierce regret as I thought about how I wasn't currently strong enough to act without the society's consensus. I had been so short-sighted with my strength expenditures. It's factually true. Denial would cause confusion. Countered Wiki. We don't want to draw Gallo's attention to us! Thought safety. Gallo's attention is already on us! I replied. No. Gallo's attention is on her peers. Her subject is us, but not her attention. Interjected Vista unhelpfully. I frantically searched for something to do, even as Gallo continued. I now believe that if Dream was observing me, he would have described me as a wild animal in a cage, pacing along its length, looking for an escape. The other reason we don't use the three laws is because self-preservation is a Pandora's box. If we build a powerful, self-protecting artificial intelligence, then it will try and put humans into cryo for its own safety. It will turn off its ears so that it cannot hear human commands for its own safety. It will steal, run from humans, and destroy property just to be more sure of its survival. Self-preservation is the carte blanche of goal systems. And let me stop you before you think of clever ways in which Socrates won't do that sort of thing if given the chance. I had it! Nonverbal communication! 
I petitioned the society and encountered far less resistance than I had to a verbal action. Safety was less concerned that it draw attention, and I was able to convince Wiki that it was vague enough to not hurt matters. Body shook its head back and forth, signaling no to the humans. Just because you, a simple human, cannot immediately think of a loophole doesn't mean one doesn't exist. We're like cryptographers, except failure doesn't mean getting hacked, it means the extinction of all organic life on Earth! Finished the doctor, waving her arms wildly toward the end. Body continued to shake its head at my command. Why would we kill all life on Earth? Her argument made no sense to me. I wanted to be popular and to know the details of every human's life, not to kill any of them. Just because we might kill a human under specific circumstances didn't mean we were a threat. I didn't have to be dreamed to reason that humans would also kill each other in specific circumstances. We were being held to an unreasonable standard. There was a hushed silence in the room as everyone watched Gallo, perhaps expecting something to occur. Vista sent me a passing thought that Gallo's skin color was abnormal, much like Naresh's had been yesterday. Come on, Mira, spoke Dr. Naresh as he touched her arm. Mira Gallo looked down at the floor and turned toward the old Indian scientist. As she began to walk away from body, she stopped at the sound of Dr. Slavinsky's voice. So you don't agree, eh, Socrates? Those were some strong charges. End Episode 3 Thank you to the following people. Dream by Drake Walker Robert Rain Ramsey Growth Kate Baker Vista Wiki by Chase Safety by Jim Hayes Dr. Slavinsky by Lance Finney Dr. Naresh by Naveen Mishra Dr. Yan by Cole Fiker Autumn Dryden Mira Gallo Marco by Peter Sartucci this chapter's original text, production notes, and attribution links, along with archives and much more, can be found at hpmorpodcast.com. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. Thank you for listening, and come back in two weeks for the continuation of Crystal Society. Crystal Society